Hi everybody and welcome to today's chat. We have Sophie Power who I've been really wanting to get on the show for ages and ages and finally we've managed to grab her. She's a GB runner, she's a, an ultra runner, she's a mum of three, she's the founder of She Races which we'll be talking about today um, which remove um, trying to remove barriers for to racing for women and she I think Sophie you're probably kind of most famous for I think for me you're most famous for breastfeeding and pumping during the UTMB in 2019 is that sort of when you sort of shot to fame would you say uh yeah I was I was properly under the radar just like getting on with my running kind of minding my own business and then someone takes a photo of me so um yeah no I've been ultra running since 2009 2010 um but it was only 2016 when that picture was taken that um I started to well I didn't have social media before then so um there was nothing I just did my own racing and then I realized that actually I could talk about my racing and that might help some other people so um life changed rather dramatically overnight yeah it really did because there was a lot of like we've seen since then a lot of other women uh, breastfeeding and pumping during races um but it seemed to be like yours was the first one that people just saw and just everybody seemed to for some reason be really shocked by it and like what else are you gonna do <laughs> it just it seems madness and I was just reading that your latest post on Instagram about some of the comments you got about it and I was really like what are we in the 21st century like who are these people saying do you why do you have the right to breastfeed at a race and aren't you being selfish I just thought that was really really surprising and shocking I thought I think it was, I mean, the the overwhelming reaction was so, so positive. I mean, it, it's, I don't know, the pictures on so many levels because one, it's it's talking about kind of why was I there? You know, I, they wouldn't defer my place for pregnancy and we'll probably get onto that with she races. But also the fact that, you know, when you become a mother, kind of society kind of in a lot of ways and social media expects you to just be mother. And then we have our kind of dreams. We have our, our sense of self that's not us as mother. And our identity as, as mother is very important, but our identity as ourselves shouldn't change. And keeping those goals after motherhood, I think a lot of women feel that they're not allowed to have them. And I think just showing that, you know, I have my goal, I was going to do it. And, you know, to do it, I had to breastfeed my three-month-old baby while getting around the, the course and pump out. And my husband kind of carried him around where he could. And it's just what mums have to do. And, you know, there's an added layer, but um what it did raise is like this is this is okay you know you can go after your goals and then um it's okay to breastfeed in public of course we should breast it's the most natural thing there is so yeah. um, I think it gave a lot of women confidence to sign up to a 10k that they wanted to do or even just to take their baby out and breastfeed in public and you know I'm really um I'm so proud that kind of putting that out there has kind of helped so many people yeah, it's absolutely fantastic. And, and since then, we've seen Jasmine Parrish, she uh, was expressing milk and breastfeeding. Uh, I, I can't remember if she was breastfeeding. She was definitely expressing on the spine race, wasn't mm -hmm. she? And she she won <laughs> like whilst doing that. Um, and it's just fantastic that we have these inspirational people like you um, to inspire us. But I just wanted to just kind of rewind a little bit after we, we just set that scene um, about what do you love most about running? Like, what is it for you that that really makes running your thing? Oh, that's such a complicated question. So I wasn't. <laughs> oh no, I, I thought this would be an easy. Question. Properly reminding, 
I was not a runner at school. Really? I was second last in the mile. Uh-huh. I was the non-athlete. I was but overweight and um, had no confidence. And I accidentally started running when I signed up for the Marathon de Saab, having never run more than a mile. Oh, my God. <laughs> my friend had just done it. And I, I'd been made redundant this awful way from a job in finance. And I was a bit lost. And I'd gone off to a kickboxing camp in Thailand um, for a couple of months to learn to kick people in the head. <laughs> And they were my old boss. That is a good reaction. Um, and he just said, you know, you're really good at hiking. And I grew up hiking in the Lake District. My, my grandma's in the Lake District. And um, we'd done these marches and when I trained in the Air Force when I was in university. And he said, you'd be great. And so I signed up. Didn't know what it was. Got a charity place. Had nine months to train. So then go straight to the desert. Um, and I think what happened was... I realized that I love, I love being outside. Um, I love exploring new places. I think for the years after that, before I had children, I did lots of these stage races across the world from kind of Bhutan, um, Iceland, Cambodia. Well, that was a bit of a, I got in a coma then. That was a bit weird. Um, Utah, um, <laughs> Nepal. We'll so it was, <laughs> it was amazing. And I love being outside. I love exploring new places. I love, I love, sharing trails with friends I love meeting new people and I love how running breaks you down and that you don't have this base on that you can have in a meeting when you're uncontrolled you know you're hanging so you have to be your true self um and I really like me time um I like being on my own a lot Mm. um and running gives me that um without the distractions so and I guess now more I mean I've only really taken running I'd say semi-seriously in the last year um and now it's given me a kind of a reason to prove and push my body to the limits and really see what I can do and I'm getting a lot of confidence in the rest of my life from that and and setting an example to my three kids and I've got a daughter now so it's especially important for me to show her you know you can achieve what you set yourself out to so it's so much um Sorry, that's a bit complicated. (laughs) (laughs) No, it it sounds like escapism, me time, everything rolled into one and just enjoying the great outdoors and and hiking, which is ultra running, basically what we were just discussing (laughs) pre-LMA. It sounds completely, um, yeah, completely understandable for me. Um, But yeah, you've got three kids, um, two boys and a little girl now as well. Um, And I'm really interested to know, having just had a kid myself and only having one, I just really want to know how you fit in all the training because I mean you represented Great Britain at the IAU 24-hour European Championships in Verona really recently um, and you were fourth Britain you got a new PB which is absolutely fantastic and then like this weekend you've got Wendover Woods and I just I just don't know how you fit it all in like I can't even fit it in with one kid how do you fit it in with three? <laughs> have you got a it's secret a <laughs> It's a juggle. I think so. I think first of all is having kids like there's a lot of training for running that isn't just going out and running. Mm. Um, so if I think about my my school run um, like last night. It's about it's over two miles. It's hilly. I've got most of it. I've got my two year old who must weigh about, I don't know, 12 kilos, 13 kilos on my back. That's training. Yeah. yeah. So you know, if if often you see these these training plans and they say you've got to run 50 miles 60 miles this week that's for people who have desk jobs mm. if you're a busy mum and you're walking everywhere and you're hiking and you're lifting babies because that can be your strength training and um and we do silly things like kind of burpees with my four and seven year old and and press-ups and 
that all counts. So I think first of all, it's like taking the comparison away from people who do not have kids because we actually have a naturally more active part of our life that really does count and not looking at mileage totals and things because I've never run big mileage. I've never been able to. Um, and then it's like I do, I, I train straight after I drop the kids off in the morning. Mm-hmm. That's that's the, before I start work, that is the gap. Um, and then I'm really lucky to have a, we put a gym in our house. So I started to do a few treadmill sessions if the weather's bad or on Fridays and Mondays when I have my daughter, you know, when she naps, I can go on the treadmill. So I'm really lucky to have that. Um, but it's a juggle. It's a, the weekend juggle is, you know, can the kids do their sports activities on a Saturday morning? I get Saturday mornings to train. My husband gets Sunday mornings. He's a cyclist to train. Um, it's all a juggle, but I think I don't watch TV and I don't really have any time. My time to myself is my running. Um, there's not any, I work in the evenings till too late at night. Um, but yeah, it's, I think it's fitting in and being really flexible. And if you're going somewhere, like we go to a national trust place, I'll be like, great, I'll meet you there. I'll run 10 miles there. Um, and then my husband, if he wanted to, could run a shorter way back or something. So yeah, it's a juggle, but I think we're just really creative. Mums are really creative about how we're going to do it. Same with dads who, who are runners as well. Um, just trying to fit it all in um, and not comparing yourself to people who don't have the same challenges. And it's it's really hard when you see kind of even women on the team who aren't parents or who have older children. Yeah, You can't do what they do. Mm. So you just have to optimise what you can. Yeah. Yeah, that's really amazing how you like really squeeze every ounce of time available. But I'm I'm also wondering, like sometimes aren't you just exhausted? Like you say on Mondays and Fridays, like you can train during your daughter's nap. But I could do that on a Monday when I have Finley. But sometimes I'm just really exhausted and I go to bed. Like I just, and sometimes, you know, like he wakes up in the night. You've got three to potentially wake up in the night at any point. You know, when they're really young, they wake up in the night a lot. I just, I just don't know how you had the strength to do the UTMB with a three-month-old a three-month-old baby because when Finley was three months old he was still waking up like twice three times in the night sometimes like was was that your situation or did you just get really lucky with a baby that slept through no not not that age <laughs> but I think when you think about it like your UTMB you start at six at night yeah and you're going through kind of potentially kind of two nights if you're used to not sleeping, like you're the best prepared person in that start line because <laughs> no one else is up all night. Yeah. So for me, it was, I was, it was training. Like the sleepless nights were just really good training. I think it was initially like most people sleep in the day or they're quite low active. And um, my then had, had a four year old as well. Mm. Um, they wanted to go for a hike. So we were up in a mountain in the day and then back. And I got a quick nap in and then it was straight to the start line. So that was more difficult. But no, I think it's it's hard, and I think you just have to be nice to yourself. And sometimes we're just really knackered. Um, I found that I needed to just eat more. When I was knackered, just eat more gave me a lot more energy to do things and find those sessions that I really like doing. Yeah. So kind of on the low impact, like I really love a treadmill hike on an incline. Yeah. And I find no matter how tired I am, yeah, I can always do a treadmill hike because you just go a bit slower or lower incline and you still got that boost from pushing your heart rate up, but it's not been that sprint session on that really hard run. So kind of changing the sessions, um, going on the bike. Um, yeah, Friday's normally a recovery day. So it's normally kind of three, four miles on the on the treadmill, kind of chilled out. Or if my husband works from home, 
I can put her to nap and I can actually go out on the trails. So, um, yeah, I think being nice, there's no point if you're knackered. The last thing you need is to do a hard workout and make yourself even more tired. But even if you do some stretches, some Pilates, something, I think for me, it always makes me feel a bit better. Yeah, yeah, I see what you mean. Like a lot of times I would go out for a run in my running stuff and then be like, I can't, I can, I can walk. That's all I can do. And that's made me feel a lot better about those times because you don't always have to run. And of course, in ultra running, it's not always running, is it? As, as we know, a lot of ultra running is actually hiking, especially with those longer distances. <laughs> um, I got so much trouble for describing UTMB as a long hike. Well, it is. Um, it's a long it hike. Is. I didn't see hardly but anyone running. <laughs> no, I, was there. I, got, I, got, I got loads of abuse, from, really? uh, mostly from guys who had told everyone this is like massive run and I'm like look at the times um I mean it takes most people over 41 hours to do 106 miles of course you're walking so I got loads of views for guys at Thurb I made it sound a bit soft but it was I think this is the thing about doing it with a three-month-old baby you know my pelvic floor was horrendous after my first I knew I had to protect it I knew my pelvis hadn't gone back together I couldn't run downhills Mm. Um, I knew that that was a red flag for pelvic pain, so I had to hike it. And you can hike it in the time allowed with maybe a bit of gentle jogging on the flats. It's completely doable. And I think changing, this is like kind of she race, but changing how we talk about these harder races Mm. or these longer races and changing the language around saying this is the hardest, toughest, whatever, to this is the time you have, this is the average speed you need to do, this is the kind of terrain you're going over. Therefore, if you can do this for kind of, if you can jog 10K and you can hike for eight hours, yeah. you can finish UTMB in the right, something like that. It's, yeah. it's just a much better way of talking about it. And I think bases want to say they're the biggest and toughest, but that's a very alienating language to a lot of women. Mm, yeah, or, and men, like not all, not all men want to do the biggest and toughest necessarily sometimes. Like, my husband doesn't. <laughs> like, that would put him right off. <laughs> um, but you've just made me feel like I could do the UTMB now, which is a very dangerous possibility. <laughs> I would love to. I'd love to, but I, I keep saying on, on this, I want to do it over six days, because what's the point of doing it when it's dark? Because you want to see all the views. So I'll do that first. And then I think... I want to I wanna go back and see the views. Oh, and, come um, with me, next, um, 2024 in the summer. There we go. I'm, I, I'm, I think fast packing it would be, and this is where I think you, know, you split down races into things you want to race and things you want to enjoy. And yeah. um, I'd love to see the UTMB route. Some of the, the big mountain races, it's tough, but I, I, I don't know. There's a lot of races where you split. There's a running side and the toughness, dark side, and it takes away some of the enjoyment. And sometimes I want to do more that's running, running, like the 24s. And yeah. Sometimes, like, Wendover is just, I want to go up and down some hills and some mud um, to have a day away from the kids, really. Um. <laughs> yeah, I hear you. <laughs> Definitely. I love going out and, and running without without Finley. I sometimes take him in the buggy. Uh, I hate running with a buggy. It's great if you can run with a buggy and that's the only running you can do. That's fantastic. It's very freeing. But if 
if I'm given a choice, buggy or no buggy, I'd definitely go for no buggy. I've even, um, my friends have been marshalling at Parkrun and they've said, and he's fallen asleep, so I, they've said, just leave him here. So I've done like half of Parkrun with the buggy, dropped him off, and then run the rest of Parkrun and then I walk back for him afterwards because that's how much I hate running with a buggy. <laughs> I don't think, I don't think anyone, like, but it's it's an enabler. And yeah. So I do junior Parkrun with a buggy, with Sasha and the buggy, my youngest in the buggy, and I run my four-year-old and my seven-year-old zooms off ahead. Yeah. Um, but I used to reuse the buggy for getting around. Yeah. So my four-year-old had gymnastics class and it was two miles away. So I jog in there in the buggy, which he loved, um, and it was a bit hilly. And I'm like, it's so hard to push a running buggy up a hill. It's really um, hard, yeah. It's a good workout. And he's like, why aren't you going fast? I'm like, because it's a hill. Really <laughs> pedal, <heavy."> pedal. <laughs> but that's four miles that mm. I wouldn't have got if I'd driven or hiked. And mm kind of thinking about how you can use the buggy to kind of go places and kind of push kind of the baby around and get things done it is an enabler and I mean it's quicker when you run than when you walk um yeah and I'm impatient so (laughs) and you say time yeah but going on a run I mean no 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 buggy just me on my own thank you very much Yes, definitely. And you can't take the buggy on the proper trails, can you? Like you can't like take them on a skinny single track with roots and rocks and everything and just be you'd just be back to walking and hiking that hiking the buggy over everything. <laughs> um, but you I just want to pick up on something that you mentioned about the, the like the time it takes um, in races, because Hannah Neal, um, Hannah Basley, sorry, that's her uh, married name. Um, she has uh, she was really she's really gutted that she's working right now. So she can't actually listen live but she'll listen back later so I'm going to read out her comment because she's she's a massive fan of yours um she says gutted I'm working I love the work Sophie is doing with she races I just saw that the Highland Way Ultra has 276 men and 76 women plus two non-binary a marked difference which I'm sure is sadly the norm as races get longer I hope they do a fair ballot like the Lakeland 50 slash 100 do as a busy mum who struggles to fit in training, I personally love a race with a generous cutoff. It feels so inclusive. There are some races where I look at the cutoffs and I know it'd be doubly tough for me, so I steer clear. So is that, I know that you're also working on um, deferrals for pregnancy and removing barriers to racing for women um, in lots of other different ways, which we can talk about here. Um, but is that one of the things that you're working on as well with races is about cutoff times? Absolutely. I mean, so we, so I ran a survey and we got over 2,000 responses. Mm. Um, and it was really just to find women's views on running in general. So trail running, road running, everything. We have runners, everything from 5Ks to ultras, talking about why we run and what we love about races and especially some of the barriers and the negative experiences we've had and what puts us off applying for a race, what kind of isn't great during a race and what we don't like about how they often don't value our competition. And um, I just got the numbers in front of me. So 44% of women have been put off by a race because of the cutoffs. Mm-hmm. It's a huge amount. Yeah. Um, and I think kind of she races, what I did with the, the survey responses was just develop it into guidelines for races mm. to say, this is how you can be more inclusive of women. And it's kind of, there's a huge detailed amount on there on the website, kind of she races.com. And, they don't apply to every race, but there's the races that sign up. There's some kind of ones that do. But when you talk about cutoffs, um, a lot of it's about the language. So kind of saying what you need to do to get to each checkpoint. And then you can get that in your head going, no, I can do that. Making sure you don't have fast cutoffs at the start because women often pace kind of better over. And we don't want to get 
worried about getting to the first few, even though we'll get to the end in time. Yeah. Um, and then being flexible. I think we've got to be very conscious that some races need to close up. They've only got permits for so long. You don't want volunteers out there. Um, um, but you can be, so we had a foul race um, that was really struggling to attract women especially kind of over over 50s women mm -hmm. and their view was they had very tight cutoffs because the volunteers had to be on the mountain mm. for a certain amount of time which is absolutely acceptable what they did was they said you know what we can have an early start yeah so they don't have to have the checkpoints open any longer um and those people can want and what they got is double the amount of women over 15s um signed up yeah already signed up for next year because it's it's now accessible and even though they might be it within the original cutoffs, they've got all that confidence. Um, and we have races that don't have cutoffs. Yeah. So X Energy, a brilliant um, um, ultra provider of kind of a lot of intro ultras, there is no cutoff. Wow. Um, they're about 30 miles each day, and they there's a walker start at eight. There's a a mass start. Um, sorry, walker start at seven often. Mass start at eight. Fast people start at nine. Yeah. Um, and you know you've got until you finish you keep if you keep moving yeah they'll let you finish and so it doesn't apply for a lot of races i mean spartathlon's the obvious kind of if you don't do it in 36 hours you know you didn't do it okay um but there's a lot i think races can think of and look at where their runners are and just communicate the cutoffs um and make sure that you're fully supporting those runners towards the the back of the field where the checkpoints are still stocked with everything the faster runners would have had um, and you're not closing down the course um, and you're making sure that they're kind of treated with the same respect that the, the fast runners would be. So it's really simple things that often aren't thought about, um, but we can use those to attract so many more women to, to every distance of race by giving you the confidence that um, however, kind of as long as you're keeping going and you're within those kind of guideline times, you know, you will be supported to, to get your goal. Yeah, that's fantastic. I, I know I saw those guidelines when you were first putting them together. Um, and I just think it's it's really handy for races to just have a list of a to do list because they might be really open to making. I mean, why would you not want more entrance to your race? Everybody wants to attract the, the other 50% of the population, which is women. So why would you not want to make your race more women friendly? It just it's a no brainer for for race entries, isn't it? And I really like the idea of, of starting earlier. So, and also for the first cutoff, not to be too harsh, because I totally get what you mean. Like women pace themselves differently to men and they're very capable over really, really long distances, but um, not necessarily gonna, it's gonna stress them out and, and just, it might make them, you know, lose out on finishing the race if they have to really kick up the pace for that first checkpoint. So I think that's, that's a really great suggestion. It's awesome. I it's, I think the, the, the guidelines is, and a lot I have, I haven't thought about either. So I don't profess to be the, to know everything. So I spoke to loads of race directors because I didn't want this to be kind of, you must do X, Y, and Z that wasn't, it wasn't possible for a race. It was going to cost them loads of money. Mm. Um, it's got to be something that's really, things that are really easy to do. And I know that the things that kind of cost the money are often increased toilet provision. Yeah. So thinking about how we can do that. And so things like Camino, have races quite in, often in London and they've just put a map out of all the public toilets en route. Yeah. Costs them absolutely nothing, um, but really makes it go, okay, well, I know where I can go to the toilet because yeah. it's quite hard in the middle of London to go on a yeah. route to kind of go to the toilet. 
um, on the side of, yeah, you don't want to do it really. No, um, yeah. So some things like that, and the, and the USX t-shirts is, well, take out t-shirts and have people buy a quality t-shirt if they're really going to wear it, or kind of do trees, not tea. So yeah, which is more trying to make it really open, but I mean, I learned a lot hmm. that I hadn't thought about, especially yeah. some of the safety aspects on, for example, asking to have people anonymized in the results or in start lists. Yeah. Um, and, and trackers and making women feel safer on course kind of I read through so many I had like thousands of experience comments to read through and wow. just took them all into account and go how do we communicate that to races because I don't think women feedback or confident to feedback how races can do better and a lot of she races is because I campaigned for the pregnancy deferrals and it was taking over my life and how do we get every woman empowered to say to a race this is how you can do better for women just send the guidelines um and and give your experiences and that means we can have so much more change than just me picking up the phone and writing letters yeah is that is that what when did you originally start she races then um um, what was the catalyst the pregnancy deferral that you weren't able to do for utmb was that the main reason to start it up at first I think I started to so say it's only started in June, which is crazy because it's kind of exploded. Yeah, it sounds like um, it's been around forever. <laughs> That's brilliant. It was June. Um, and, and I had great help from kind of Anna Harding to kind of the money town to kind of help me kind of put it together and think about it. And But it was really the, the London Marathon campaign. So last year, um, I had a, a message about a lady who'd not been allowed to defer her good for age place. As she had a championship place, she wasn't allowed to defer it, and so because of the London Marathon was run eight months apart that year, yeah. they were allowing her to run it eight weeks postpartum because that was her original place. Yeah, but not eight months postpartum. Oh no! <laughs> um, and they refused. And 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 the thing behind it was was very much they're like, well, the further you are away from your qualification time, the less likely you are to repeat it. Which holds in, I would say, pretty much every case, except if you've had a baby in between. Um, because you are going to be faster at eight months and eight weeks. And mm. I think kind of this campaign, and it took months, it genuinely took months of talking to them and just trying to work out how we get that changed. Um, and they took it away and they, they changed it. And to their credit, they've actually gone and done a whole inclusivity piece and has some of the best guidelines out there now, kind of three years to fail for, for pregnant, and you hold your category, so you hold your championship or you're good for age, it's fantastic. So we succeeded there, and it's brilliant, and now Berlin are doing it too. Um, we finally got UTMB over the line. Yes, which, I saw that recently, oh, that's fantastic. Um, which I was really excited about, because I kind of said, I can't do UTMB again until they allow deferrals, and now they do, and it's like, oh, should I go back? Yeah. Um, <laughs> But I think it was it was really from that and the from that fight and from London Marathon and realizing there were so many more races and being inundated with requests to write to races and then people sharing the experience and saying it's not just pregnancy deferrals it's so many other barriers mm. and thinking how do we address them all at once and how can someone like me who is a very busy kind of working mum of three make a difference and make the biggest difference I can and. And that's kind of where She Races came out. Wow. And is She Races, like, is that a charity then that you've set up? Or is it is it your job as well? No, it's not my job. It's, oh, God, it's my job. That, that made life easier if I had more time for it. Um, so it's, it's a kind of, um, it's, um, charities are a nightmare to set up because of all the, um, 
all the accounts. I'm an accountant, but I can't be bothered to do challenge accounts. <laughs> so it's it's just a campaign. Um, but we are looking for funding because what I really need is some support to hire in some um, social media, some admin to really kind of start going out. It's um it's my kind of eight till eleven at night job, um, wow. which isn't really sustainable with training. <laughs> no, um, I so, go to bed at nine these days. <laughs> how, how on earth would you work till eleven? That's amazing. My my kids my kids do sleep through. They sleep amazingly. Oh, so um, that's how. But I think no, we're looking for funding and brands to work with, and also spread the words. So the running plat the race platforms, um, anyone that can get out the message. Um, the goal is, I mean, racers can sign up for free, and then we promote them on the the platform. People can click through on on the website to races that have kind of committed to the to the guidelines. And it really is a, I want it to it started to kind of change the guidelines and races and get more women into races. And then I'd love it to start supporting women to just have the confidence to sign up in the first place. Yeah. Um, and more to that. So that's where I'd like it to go, but it is, um, yeah, we need some, we need some support. So hopefully, hopefully some brands will see this and uh, get yeah. in touch. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I've seen on your Instagram, you do various work with brands from time to time. So maybe one of those will pick up on it. Um, I think it's, it's a really hot topic at the moment, isn't it? Um, inclusivity for all, um, not just women, but anybody with any barriers in the trail running world. So, um, it's a, it would be a fantastic campaign for uh, any brand to get behind, I think. No, it's, 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 I think that's where it has to go. And, Getting myself, but it's not. I mean, there's there's some some brilliant um, organisations and mother in the states who are doing focus on women and kind of um, child sisters. And I think learning from them, there's not very much out there working specifically on races. There's a lot breaking down the barriers in general and running. And I think racing is. I think racing is quite special because it's a way of kind of. It's not just running. You can't. It's it's a way of kind of achieving something and working towards a goal mm-hmm. and. I think it's we need to break down the barriers and get more women running but I think we can get so much out of racing that it's important we have the ability to do that too. Yeah well it's absolutely fantastic and if anybody is a race director and watching this um, where should they go to find more out about the uh, the directions and the, and the, the kind of to-do list um, to make things more palatable for more women to start running more races? So we're Instagram we're she.races um, on the website is sheraces.com and you can download the guidelines and the kind of commitment uh, form to sign up and then um, we'll get your logo on the, on the website. Um, but I think the big thing for races is talk to the women that are doing the race. Um, you know, ask for feedback for them. Say, how can we do better? Look at how many women are signing up to a race. We've had kind of race directors say, you know, I can't get more than 15% women on my race and I'm showing them a race that's the same distance and they've got 40%. And then you compare what they're doing. We've got some some really inclusive races that really up. I mean, we don't expect more than fifty percent of people, women to be doing the longer ultras. But UTMB is eight percent on the start line. Uh-huh. You can definitely improve on that. So it's look at your race, think about what you can do, look for feedback, and I think it's a a request to women. You know, look at the races that you're signed up to. Kind of have a look at their website and say, kind of. Is the imagery inclusive? Does do I feel that I belong on that? If not, point it out to them. Like we pointed out a few websites where it's all been 
I mean, white skinny men on, on the pictures. Yeah, middle-aged skinny men. And they all look and, the same. And that alienates other men too. Yeah, yeah. Not everyone is a white skinny man. <laughs> um, and so kind of, and they've been horrified when they realise, but they've used their start line picture mm. as their main picture. Yeah. Um, and so kind of things like, if you look at the imagery on like Maverick, mm. it's amazing. Um, it's just everyone there. And yeah. everyone would feel kind of that they belong in one of those races um and that's what kind of women need to do so kind of call out them on imagery for races you haven't done yet and and in any kind of um details on the race that you think could be included on the website and then when you've done the race give feedback say you know this was great but do you know what you didn't have separate women's toilets or there was actually no toilet provision or Hmm. we were held in this field for half an hour the men were peeing and we couldn't or unisex t-shirts or your race coverage mixed in the women's results with the men's results. We couldn't see our podium. So really things like that you can point out to race directors um, really helps it feel kind of more inclusive for the next women that are going to be running the race. Yeah. And I remember when I first um, started reporting on races and things, when I first set up um, Trail Running Magazine, the, the top three women wasn't as big a deal as the top three men who were like winning the overall race. But as, as the time has gone on and we've seen um, people like Jasmine Paris winning races outright and, and things like and Sabrina Vergie winning things outright as well, just the amount of coverage that's given to the women's race now is much, much better than it was a decade ago. Um, and I just find that absolutely brilliant. It's annoying that it was like that, but it's it's brilliant, the, the work that you and everybody else has done to, to get more representation for the women's podium. Because the women's race is really exciting. It's, it's super the exciting. Centurion has sent out the race preview um, for Wendover on, on Saturday. Yeah. And... You know, there's nine or ten women listed, and they've researched everyone. Yeah. Um, and there's nine or ten men listed. Yeah. And they've talked about the depth of the races, and they really, you know, I feel engaged in both races. Going, this is really, really exciting. Yeah. Um, and that 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 shows everyone, and there'll be men that see those women and know the names on the race day, yeah. and and then when they do, everything is completely equal, a lot of the the run platforms or the timings, they still just mix us in. Mm. Um, and don't celebrate and we shouldn't only be celebrated if we're podiuming outright we're a completely separate category um and it should be celebrated no far no matter how far the the women are down and um if you want a competitive race and you're a race director and you don't have women you feel that are competitive have a look at what you're doing to attract them um because women are there to run and we will race but um just make it make it attractive for us to be on your start line. Yeah, invite some really good women runners along. Say, hey, do you want a free place? And, you know, we want a great women's race here. Come along. Um, like when I reported on UTMB, even this year, 2022, it is now, <laughs> just checking, um, the the women's finish was um, was brilliant. Like when Katie um, Scheid came over the finish line, there was tons of people that all came back because everyone disappeared for a bit and then they all came back. But then for the second woman and third woman, it mm-hmm. was like, hardly anyone there and I even I was a like category C journalist so I was like round the corner but I was able to go and sit with Brian from I Run Far at the front because no one really cared about the the second and third place women which is like I found that really disappointing um but Brian was there and Brian you know in his pre-race he's listed him and Megan have listed the top 10 women and men he's fantastic Ian Corliss also lists all the women all the time they have tied always I think supported the women so I don't really understand why 
there's this lack of interest from like the rest of the population <laughs> it's like come on women we need to support the women as well it's it's a timing as well i think looking at the time of the race you know the men are going to finish kind yeah. of early afternoon so your six o'clock start the men's winners is been like 21 or so yeah. so you're kind of three in the afternoon female winner might be six later yeah um when it's the podium comes times. through eight nine um it's not conducive to to that and i think kind of UTMB are really working hard and they, they've done their own big survey mm. um, that they were supposed to release the results of at UTMB, but they're going to, um, they're still working on it, but they've really tried to understand how to get more women on their start lines because they're very, very, very low. Yeah. Um, and they're a commercial organization and, you know, it's down to business. And if you're struggling to fill your races and you've got less than 20% women, um, the easiest place to go is women make up 50% of runners yeah. more than that I think in the UK now so that's the easiest market to tap and they're really trying to understand how to do that so I hope that we start to see change in in all aspects but coverage would be great because we kind of have to see it to to be it and and seeing more women on the start lines and when you're on the start line and you're surrounded by men you're like this doesn't feel very <laughs> No one's going to lend me a tampon. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. When I see loads of men on the start line, I actually am like, ah, oh, brilliant. I will be able to get into the women's toilets. Because, <laughs> you know, like, round here. And that's the men are in that, which is what happened yeah. to me in the last race. And oh. I'm, in, I'm in the women's toilets and, like, the bit by the... And I'm putting, oh. like, lube down my shorts. And this guy barges in. Yeah. And you're like, get out. <laughs> and he's like, oh, oh, oh. And it's like, there's, no, there's, no, there's a queue in the men's. And, like... This is my life. I'm a woman. We queue all the time. Yeah. <laughs> Get used to it. Yeah. Like, off you go into the queue. For we don't day. budget your toilets. <laughs> yeah, you want for what, actually, at uni, if there was a big queue for the women's in a club, we did used to go in the men's. Um, but, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, the other way around is, is not allowed. But, yeah, a lot of our races around here are in village halls, and they have, like, two toilets in a small cubicle. And there's a huge queue for the men's. And I'm like, yes. Uh, there's like and there's a three women in the queue for the women's and we're all like ha <laughs> yeah so no no more women at races because we won't be able to use the toilets <laughs> but no seriously that's um it's definitely a great thing if the UTMB had more women like uh, maybe I'll uh, you've made me think I might be able to do it one day so um so that's eight point not 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 one percent now <laughs> So, um, so it's fantastic that you've started She Races. Um, is there anything anyone watching can do to support She Races, uh, like other than obviously following it and you on Instagram? You're Ultra Sophie, aren't you? And, and She Races yeah. is, is she.races. Um, is there anything else that people can do to support She Races? Have you got um, like a crowdfunding thing or anything set up? Or no, I need I need to set one up. This is this is yeah. going to be the, the the by the time by the time kind of this comes out to people, I need to set one up. I think kind of, I mean, if they can kind of support so we can get some social media support, that that is going to be the main thing. But um, to help share everything, because I'm useless on Instagram, pretty useless. I, I haven't opened Facebook in ages. Um, so that would be, but I think really it's it's taking it into our own hands, and that's the biggest impact that, that people can have is is looking at the guidelines, going to the races that they're doing, talking to the people they know, sharing she races. Um, it's a tool um, for people to kind of. Uh, often I think women find it hard to complain about things and say kind of I think it should be this way, and I feel the guidelines are a way to say hey race director just on your race, there are a few things that could be improved. 
here's a link to some guidelines that have been put together by talking to lots of other race directors, um, as well as lots of women. And I think that makes it easier to kind of address some of these issues. So um, the most important thing people can do is, is share the guidelines, speak out, talk to races, think about how they can do better. I think it's not just women, it's men too. Mm. Um, the male allies are really, really important. And some of the guidelines are actually about behavior and races and mm. what's acceptable and what's not. Um, so kind of, um, I did a Centurion podcast um, talking about kind of women in racing and, mm. and one of the things that kind of women don't want is you can't just run behind a woman at night and not say anything yeah. um, or run with you. It's really scary. It's happened to me in quite a few races before where someone's just run behind me for ages and, yeah. um, you know, that can be, that's fine for some women, that's uncomfortable for others. So kind of on the race that happened the, the weekend after people listened to the podcast at South Downs 100, yeah. lots of men were running me and go, do you mind if I run with you for a while? Yeah. And it was so refreshing and it made me feel so much safer and more secure. And yeah. it's it's small things like that that I think, often people don't realize and and some of the language that's used um around women and racing and mm. even by volunteers kind of saying us to telling us to smile and cheer up and 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 saying oh you can go a bit faster than that and <laughs> things that they wouldn't say to blokes yeah so i think it, it's really important to have men and men speaking out about things that they don't see as right so when there aren't the equal prize money and there aren't the equal categories and um they don't see the provisions for women um I hate to say it, sometimes when it's said with a male voice, it, it carries more weight, which it shouldn't do, but that's the reality of the world we're in. So um, I think everyone can support it. And, you know, races don't have to sign up to she races to, to make positive changes. And what we do know is when you do make the positive changes, you know, you get more women on your start line and that can only be a good thing for, for runners and the races themselves. Yes. Well said. And I will put a link to all those guidelines in the film description and the podcast show notes as well. So everybody can have a read and and see any of the ones that we haven't covered here today. Um, so it's just fantastic. I think it's brilliant. Um, the more women we can get into racing, the better. Uh, the more, um, yeah, the more friendly faces that we have at races, uh, the better. Um, and yeah, all that remains to be said is what is next for you, Sophie? Have you got, I know you've got Wendover Woods this weekend, but have you got anything else for December or have you got an action-packed 2023? Um, what's in the pipeline for you? I don't know. It's quite scary. <laughs> so, so Wendover was really, I signed up for Wendover. So Wendover, as anyone doesn't know, is it's 50 miles of five, 10 mile loops on muddy hilly. It's the exact course I'm absolutely rubbish at. I'm terrible at technical downhills. I'm terrible <laughs> in the mud. I'm so scared of, of falling over and getting injured and not being able to do my school run because I don't know how I could actually get the kids to school and nursery if I did not hike. Yeah. Um, so it's going to be really slow, but I signed up when I did the 24, just after I did 24 on concrete, going, I hate concrete. What's the yeah. opposite of concrete? <laughs> yeah. um, so I'm really, I'm really excited about, so next weekend I'm doing a Maverick um 6k with my seven-year-old um and it's a night 6k oh wow Um, so i'm really excited to take him and my hubby's going to run my four-year-old and he's going to do the 6k as well oh wow um, i'm i'm really excited there's really good pizza van normally afterwards um (laughs) but over christmas um i don't know i think next year it's do i the problem with runners is you, you work out what you're good at and you work out what you like yeah. And if you're really lucky, they're the same thing. <laughs> um, 
And I've realized I'm really good at running for 24 hours on flat concrete. Um, probably not so great at mountain races because I don't live in the mountains. Um, so I think next year might be a mix of, I might do another 24 um, and try and get my distance up because I, I feel I can, I feel there's another 10K in me. Wow, um, really? You can push, you did 217 kilometers in 24 hours. That's incredible. I think there's another 10k at least amazing so it's, it's tempting to want to do that um it's I've, I'm not a marathon person but I do find a sub 130 half as just as a training wow um and I was like well maybe I should look at a sub three wow because that sounds quite cool yeah um and yes yeah, so I basically I don't know so I'm, I'm having a chat with my coach next week after Wendover to see how battered I am and um I think I definitely want to go to the mountains, but I wasn't organized enough for like Lavaredo or Iger ballots. So um, this is the worst possible answer. You expect me to have this like racing no, schedule. I'm like, this no is idea. really interesting. I find um, it fascinating. But I'm going to, I've got to talk to hubby about what he wants to do and make sure that he wants to do a half Ironman and put them in the calendar. So there's no kind of peak training at the same time. Um, and um, yeah, but I definitely want to do uh, an adventure mountain race. Cool. Um, and I'll probably do another 24 or 100 uh, mile on track. Yeah. And um, and then really anything that really fun that comes up because running's really about fun. And if there's a cool race that I can get to really easily from here, um, it'd be quite nice yeah. to do it. Oh, where are you based? So I'm in Guildford in Surrey. So I'm I'm basically on the North Downs Way. Oh, lovely. So um, anyone running up and down North Downs Way at the weekend will probably see me. <laughs> brilliant and um it, what about dragon's back like that's a mountain race it's so technical yeah so this this is this is why I, I actually looked at it yesterday thinking Should I do dragon's back? you could do the hatchling i'm planning to do the hatchling what's hatchling it's half of it so it's half of whatever it is every day so instead of like 40 miles it's more like 20 miles you do half of the course each day. Um, so then the following year, you could do the whole course, but it's just like a, a dip, dip your toe in the water kind of thing. I don't think I'm capable of doing the whole thing. I just don't really want to get fit enough. So I thought that maybe I could do the hatchling. I think, so the drags, I think you're away from home so long. Yeah, six so the, days. The difference, the difference I made was pre-kids, I used to do the stage races. Yeah. Which I loved, and, and, but you're away so long and I used to go away after each baby kind of went away and did a stage race um to kind of have that reset um so I did spine summer spine it was a kind of the after I had my second it was I think he was about nine months and or eight months and I was like I need to get away yeah um but now I kind of run it all at once so I can get home yeah um and that's why I think kind of pushing it changing it it really just makes it more easier for the family like me going away for three four days is is enough me going away for a week plus is kind of really difficult on them and just the logistics plan I have to write <laughs> yeah is insane yeah. um just to hand over and, and try and get kind of some childcare in see my parents can help how hubby's going to deal with it mm. um it does make it, it does make me kind of look at people that don't have children and go oh man what could I do if I didn't have but I, I, yeah. I would not change things for a world so yeah. yeah I think looking at things where I can kind of be out two days max three days um it's just better for everyone I've got to be respectful of the fact that I do have responsibilities as mum um but the more I sign my hubby up to 
I feel I get these brownie points yeah. that I can go away. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so when I, I signed him up to a, like a cycling weekend in the Isle of Wight with LeBlanc last week, um, last year for his birthday, and he was like, his first question was like, so what race do you want to do? Uh-huh. And that was his first, yeah. like, you set me up for something to go away for three days. Where do you want to go? Yeah. Um, What's the payback? Which is, is, it was exactly, because I was about to tell him I wanted to go to Mull with Impact Marathon. Yeah. Um, so he knew me really too well. Um, but I, if, 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 there's, if there's a chance to race, and I don't like to fly much, kind of, I'm conscious about the environmental impact as well. But if there is an amazing race that does need a week, um, I'll do it. But, yeah, the whole family uh, could go out or something. If he's, I, I'd, I'd love to do, I mean, I may do Spartathlon next year. Cool. Um, and I'd have to think about taking the family out because yeah. it's a week. And um, the idea of having my kids on the finish line would yeah. just be the most incredible drive to get to that finish line as soon as possible. Yeah. Um, so maybe Spartathlon. Cool. I'm my qualifier, so I'm, I'm, I've got an automatic place. So, um, yeah, maybe that. Yeah. Oh, well, it does sound like a really exciting 2023 for you um, and a really exciting, yeah, a really, a really exciting kind of momentum behind She Races. Um, so, yeah, everybody follow, everybody look at the guidelines, um, badger the races, call out stuff that you don't think is good um, and praise the races who are doing really, really well as yes. well. Um, <laughs> that's that's always important um but yeah thank you so much Sophie for chatting to us today it's been absolutely fantastic to have you on um and best of luck um in all of your races for this weekend and 2023 thanks for having me and we will get you around UTMB I've now got this much like next few years you're doing UTMB we'll do it oh okay <laughs> oh no I shouldn't have said that <laughs> okay bye everyone bye <laughs>